Okay, let's pray again. Father, we are in awe again this morning of, of the fact that you are aware of us. We, we can't deal with more than one person at a time, really. I mean, we, we can hold a big crusade or a big meeting and speak to hundreds or thousands of people, but it's not an individual thing. It's a, you know, it's a, a mass message for lots of people, but you building your kingdom one person at a time. And it's amazing to me, I've been thinking about that here lately, how personal you are. Um, and it's, it's the uh, intimacy that we have with you as our shepherd, that you know us by name. You go with us through the dark experiences. In fact, you don't just know about them or even go through them with us, but you have ordained them. Amen. And we thank you that this is the case, that there's nothing. This is part of the joy and the hope that as believers, even in the darkest times, the hardest times that we can we can hold on to. And that is that we know it's not random. It's not just uh, bad luck or uh, the, the nasty fates of the universe, random chance in a chaotic universe that's slapping us around. We know that, in fact, it comes from the hand and the heart of our Father, and, and that it is uh, ordained by you in the long run for your glory and for our good. And so remind us of these things, and, and thank you, Lord. It's so humbling to, to think that you love us. We're not anything special. We're a little nothing church here. Uh, well below the radar of, of even our community, let alone the world, which is probably a good thing, but um, but we're not off your radar. And thank you that you're here with us this morning, and I pray by your Holy Spirit now that you would open your word to us, help us to come with humble hearts, ready to receive, ready to confess, ready to be comforted, whatever the need is this morning, that you would accomplish it through your glory, out of your word, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> right. As we've been going through, by the way, Natalie and anybody else who wants any of the notes that maybe you've misplaced them or you haven't had them, uh, all the notes are available through the website. So if you go to the resources option on our website, the menu, click the, it, it has a sub menu. So if you hover over it or whatever, pop the sub menu up. We'll click on the resources itself. It'll take you to the resources page and you'll see a link there for John's notes. And it goes right straight to the Google folder uh, where I, I manage these notes. And so even some of the corrections and things, if you want to get that, that's, that's all there, okay? Um, so this morning we're in John, back in John 11. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is coming near the end of his public ministry. Chapter 12, contains what I what I like to think of um, as sort of the epilogue. Uh, it's not the epilogue for the entire gospel, obviously, because there's uh, 13 through 21 after that, but it is an epilogue for where John sort of wraps up Jesus's public ministry. And um, you'll see that pattern in all the gospels because that's what Jesus did. He, he had this time of, of of sort of 
ramping up this almost bright optimism that you see very early in his ministry, even though the religious leaders were kind of annoyed with him and they started to get, they weren't quite at the boiling point yet, but they were, they were, you know, you know, annoyed with him. They didn't like him from the beginning, but most of the people did, right? And, and, and he came preaching the same kind of message that John the Baptist did, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, uh, and he would baptize, uh, actually through his disciples, John's the only gospel that kind of gives us that part, that clue of things, that their ministry overlapped for a little bit. Um, and so there's this bright optimism, and uh, um, and things seem to reach, and I, I've made this case, and I, I stick by it <laughs> until you prove me wrong, okay, that the, the only miracle other than his resurrection that's in all four gospels is what? Do you remember? Feeding of the 5,000. It's only one that's in all four gospels. That's interesting. What is the significance of that one? And we took a look at that, and and uh, I think John, particularly, uh, more than the other gospels, he gives us more details surrounding that. He tells what happens the next day. That's all of John six, where I am the I am the sincere bread from heaven, the true bread from heaven, right, and all that. And and many many of his disciples were offended at that word, and they left, right, because he says, uh, unless you eat my Flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you, all of that. And they're very offended and they leave. Uh, well, John gives us also the reaction right after feeding of the 5,000, which is more like feeding the 25,000 people, probably 20, 25,000 total that he fed with that little lunch. And, and, um, and they wanted to make him king. Remember that. And so he dismisses the crowd quickly. He fights against that. He sends his disciples across. And he goes alone to pray. And I think he does that because that was a very serious temptation. That was one of the moments where Satan really pulled the stops out to, 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 to help him in Satan's mind, you know, let's go ahead and jump the father's plan and, and let's go do this now, you know. Anyway, so all of that is to say that if you were to kind of draw his ministry out like a graph, it, it's reaching a steady uh, popularity and, and it's, it's growing and it's looking good to a point. It's not like it drops off at that point, but that point I believe was that feeding of the 5,000. And then what happened the next day where so many disciples left, so many of his fans, these were not his enemies in chapter 5, but they have the disciples in chapter 6 that left, right? And at that point, it begins to decline, all right? And so as we're in a chapter 11 uh, and, and chapter 12, particularly chapter 12 is sort of that recap, and he, he's going to look back over the ministry and say, the Lord presented himself. He did so many miracles, and he did all this wonderful stuff but they rejected him anyway, right? And so um, chapter 11 has this shadow of the cross beginning to fall on it. And, and, and the bright early days of ministry are kind of a memory, and he's wrapping up his public ministry. But nevertheless, this is the greatest public miracle, I believe, that Jesus did. Okay, And we've talked about that. And we'll see not only the miracle itself, but what he says leading up to it. And, and uh, particularly, that's the text that we're at. This, this statement, <clears throat> if you had to summarize the gospel in one sentence, how would you do it? I think this is what he does here with this statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Is a one-sentence summary. The whole message of John. That is the brilliance of Jesus. 
to be able to summarize it like that. And we'll see it as we unpack this, okay? Um, and, and remember, I mentioned to you also one other thing, just sort of, again, context setting, get our heads into the context before we dive into the text here. Um, the key word in this chapter is the word believe. Okay? Believe. We've already encountered that. Once that's on your notes there, um, <clears throat> we're going to see that in verses 25 and 26, where he mentions, where he makes that statement, I am the resurrection life. He says it three times there. Okay but 14 and 15 as well. Um, so remember that that they tried to stone him in chapter 10, right? Uh, and he, he basically escapes back. It's like he, he, he comes full circle, right? In the early part of his ministry, he used to travel around a lot, going to as many villages and towns as he could, right? But now he's come sort of full circle back to where John the Baptist started his ministry. We're not sure exactly where that is but the point is that he comes back full circle to where john the baptist was and the reception there was was rather warm people were amiable to him and, and the, the very end of chapter 10 the last verse says and many believed in him there right so the disciple you can see the disciples and they're comfortable with this and this is great i mean who wants to be around a bunch of enemies every time you're there the tension is high and they're looking at you you're looking at them and they're saying words and they're swinging at you and, Right? I mean, nobody wants to be around that very much. You've ever been around a coworker who is like that? You just never know what mood they're in, you know, what, what mood they selected off the shelf as they were coming into work that morning. Um, it's tough. It's hard. It, it makes, you, makes you dread that. It makes you dread going into work. Uh, see that person again today. Well, the disciples are no different. They don't want to go back to Judea. They want to stay there where it's comfortable. And we see that, we've seen that in the first, uh, what, 16 verses or so here. And then, and then there's this sort of resignation at the end where, where Thomas says, okay, well, let's go and die with him. <laughs> Meaning Jesus. All right. Jesus had delayed. And we see that now. Let's, let's, um, Let's go ahead and read our entire text here. So we're looking at, uh, let me make sure I'm lining my notes up right here, 17 through 27, okay? We'll just go ahead and read through this without comment, and then we'll back up, because we're actually um, just about done, pretty much done with point number one, our outline, we'll get to point two, but let's, for context, let's read that whole thing. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha came to Jesus, Lord. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives 
and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. On our notes, um, a little outline, like I, like I said last time, this isn't a very complicated outline, right? It's pretty simple. And it's because this is more narrative. This isn't, you know, like uh, Romans or Hebrews, which is a very, you know, sort of thoughtful going from premise to make the case to conclusion, you know, Paul's kind of writing um, very linear, very, you know, sub points and so forth. This is just a narrative. This is a story, really, you know, and it reads like a script. It's almost like a, almost like watching a, an episode of, of, of the season of The Chosen or something, which they're good and bad at that, you know, not necessarily advocating it, but just use an example. Um, anyway, it is what it is. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's like, the point is, it's, it's a story, right? It's, it, you feel like it's a script, it's like a movie script or something. So first, first point on our outline is uh, our verses 17 through 19. And here John explains the scene as Jesus arrives in Bethany, okay? So it says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. Do you think Jesus knew that? Uh, yeah, well, we know he did because, first of all, we know he knew it, right? But secondly, he says so expressly to the disciples that I need to go wake him. Remember that whole thing where they got confused and I need to go wake him. Well, Lord, if he's sleeping, I think that was, uh, I think that was as much them just wanting to, to stay where they were, my personal opinion, given the whole context. But anyway, he says, no, Lazarus die, has died, right? And, and we're going to go. And, I'm, and, and I, for your sakes, I'm glad this happened so that you may, here's our key word, what? Believe, right? Okay. By the way, they've been with him almost three years at this point. You think that, what does he mean that you need to believe? Because Peter, back in, remember back in chapter six, when the other, when these other disciples are hitting the road, they're taking the camp Jesus shirts off and hats and throwing them away. And then we're out of here, right? And he turns to them and he says, are you going to leave also? And Peter says, to whom will we go? You alone have the words of life, right? And, well, then here he's like, I'm glad this happened so you can believe. Well, Jesus, I thought they believed already, right? What, what is the deal? I think what has happening here is that Jesus understands what, exactly what Martha, what we read with Martha. Martha and the disciples and Mary, too, all have this in common. They believe he's the Messiah, but they don't believe strongly enough that that he is um, here to do what the Father wants him rather than what they want him. Okay, and this is important. I think all of this, that statement he makes here, and then especially we're going to see this in chapters 13 through 16, where he spends so much time strengthening and enforce, reinforcing their faith because they're about to see him get crucified, right? They're about to see him get beat within an inch of his life, as we say, mistreated, spit upon, insulted, and so forth, and then ultimately crucified and died and buried, and he needs to strengthen their faith because he's not the Jesus that they thought he was going to be. He is not the Messiah that they were expecting. And that's what Martha is expressing here too, the same thing. 
okay? Very important for us. And, and as we look for application in our own lives, as I've said before, the same thing is true for us. And I can't say this enough because, because you know, in Sunday school, we're all, yeah, we're all friends and we're all got our Jesus shirts on, hats on and, you know, we're all signing up for Camp Jesus. But when you're in the dark moment, you're there by yourself, or you struggle with the same sin again and again, or you're asking for something and you're praying again and again for something. And, and like Larry said in his prayer, you know, your, your, your heart is torn uh, apart uh, for the people that you love who don't know him and who just, it's like day after day and they just, you know, it's like talking to a brick wall, you know, and, and, uh, and you're like, Father, what are you waiting on? Work in this person's heart. I know you are. I know you can. I know you will. Remember this lesson that he's not your Jesus. He's the Father's Jesus. He sent. On, he was the Father sent him on on his mission. The Father has his own purposes, and to let God be God, that is a hard lesson for the disciples, yeah. for Martha, and for Mary, and for us. And I think that's what he means here. This whole chapter, really, when it talks about believing, it's not just believing like the disciples in chapter six who are who are fair weather friends. Okay. Of Jesus, hey, I'm I'm around for the free lunch and I'm around for the miracles and you know he's got some really great things to say and I really love it when he 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 nails our our our, our wicked hypocritical leaders to the wall, but I don't like it when he starts to talk about my sin or when he's when, when things are taking a turn in a direction that makes me feel uncomfortable or that I don't that I don't like when, when the clouds roll in and the thunder and lightning it was really darkness for me you know it's really cloudy and kind of gloomy. Metaphorically, when that happens in your life, are you still believing? Okay, so. Do you think that the disciples were, I mean, they knew, they knew that he was Jesus Christ. Do you think that they just kind of like put blinders on because they didn't want to bring some of the realization that he's going to go away? They, they wanted him to stay. See, they didn't want that. Realization to say, okay, he kept telling them, I'm going away. I'm doing Father's will. I'm going away. You know, and Martha here, she even confessed, said, I believe that you are the Christ. Same thing with Peter. He said in Matthew 16, he said, You are the Christ. They acknowledged that. They knew that you are the Son of God. That was not a problem to them, I think. I think the problem was that they didn't want to come to a day that he was making. They, they, I think they, they, they kept hearing it, but he was like, no, 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 no. I think that's why a lot of this was here. They were, in their heart, they knew he was a Christ and he was doing Father's will, but they didn't want to come. I mean, I may be totally wrong, but I don't think they really wanted and really wanted that realization to happen. In the bottom of their hearts, they probably knew it. You know how sometimes we know things you see somebody that's sick, they don't die. You don't want that to happen. You don't want them to think about that to happen. It's going to happen. We, we try to do everything else we can to keep that off our minds. Yeah. I think there's some of that. <clears throat> um, certainly, they didn't want him to go to the cross. And he had told them, uh, the other Gospels record that too, that he did tell them it's going to happen. Um, but I think it's I think it goes beyond that too. And we're gonna again we're gonna see this in chapter 13. 1333, uh, 
I believe is the verse specifically where Jesus says, as I told the Jews, so now I say to you, I'm going away. You can't, where I'm going, you cannot come. And it is, he's right. It's exactly the same statement that he had made to the Jews. I think it's in, 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 uh, in chapter 8 where he makes that statement to the Jews. And those are his enemies. And it just blows them away. And you see many of them responding to him in the upper room, Peter and Philip and, and even, uh, um, let's see who else speaks up. Thomas, I think, right? Um, I might please because I haven't been in his notes in a while. But anyway, the point is that, that they're all like popcorn. They're all speaking and, and, and saying things. Lord, why can't we come with you? Philip is like, show us the Father. That is enough, right? You know, and all that. All of that is, you can understand this because they, while it was hard for them to accept that, that he was being rejected by the leaders and was going to be even killed by them, still, they thought, well, maybe after that, remember, even after the resurrection, they were still like, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? Right? They were like, but he's like, he'd already told me he's in the upper room. Again, we'll see that upper room. He says it over and over again. He even says that in his prayer that they heard, John 17, the prayer. Father, restore me now. I'm, I'm done in the world. I'm leaving. These are still here. Protect them while I'm gone. I'm going and coming to you. Restore me to the glory I had with you from the beginning. Right, so so he's he's come from the father. He's going back to the father, and I think that was the biggest struggle, that he was going away, and they had to stay here. They they were not going to be able to rely on him anymore. Yes, his death was unexpected. Okay, but this whole thing of well, even even after it, when he's when he's resurrected, and they were super excited, he's back, and now we're going to bring the kingdom. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, you know, well, when, when you're when you're raised to put it in vernacular, we can understand because they didn't have church like we do, but that's synagogue or temple then, right? When you're raised from a little thing in church to believe a certain way, you do. When you become an adult, it's very hard, and you learn that maybe something you were taught as a child was wrong, or even as a young person, whatever, and you're steeped in this over and over, and it's very hard to change that if you could show later, right? It's very hard. And so I think they had, especially since the case was made biblically, and you can make a very strong case, the Messiah is going to come and restore the kingdom, right? He's going to reverse the curse. The lamb is going to lay down with the lion and the child will lead them and they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, right? All of those wonderful language that we read is going to rule the nations with a rod of iron and they will you know, not train for war anymore, all that stuff. <clears throat> yes, bring that, bring that. We want that, right? And it's biblical. It's just not God's timing. It's just not God's timing. And that's such a hard lesson for them and for us to learn. And that's not God's timing here either, right? And that's what Martha is facing with, with this situation where if you'd only been here, right? <laughs> Lord, a schedule are you keeping? All right, so um, just, just quickly, so we need to get into the second point here. This is really good stuff. All right, so 17... Through 19, he's framing things. He found Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead in the tomb for four days, 
Okay, very significant. Remember, uh, there is some uh, evidence, extra biblical, you know, Jews had a lot of traditions and things that they, <laughs> that's an understatement, um, that they padded around the gospel and around, around the gospel, around the, the scriptures that they had. And so forth. And one of those was that they, uh, many of them believed that the spirit of the departed person hung around for three days before departing. Okay. And that could be very similar to, you know, like Irish wakes, you know, you hear about, they would like in the medieval times, they'd lay the body out on the table for a few days, you know, um, and, and we think that a good reason, a big part of why they did that was sometimes uh, people would get knocked out or be unconscious for a few days. And, and, and you know, if you buried them too quick, you wake up in a tomb, and it's pretty awful. Okay, so, so that's where traditional Irish ways come from. And it could be the same thing with the Jews, that they had that practice where they would watch the body for a few days to make sure the person was dead. Sounds funny to us, but if you don't have all the, you know, medical, you can't detect brain waves and all that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Right. That's right. Um, so four days, Lazarus spirit is well departed. Now, according to scripture, I believe that to be absent of the Lord is, or absent from the body is what? Present of the Lord, right? So I don't think there's this immediate delay where you're hovering around the room and all that stuff. But anyway, there was that tradition. But the fact of the matter is, like we said earlier, setting this up, the four days is very, very, very significant because it's well past whatever window anybody wants to say, well, maybe maybe he just woke Lazarus up, right? Uh, and, and, and when we get there, of course, you know that, that they took the stone away and let the odor out, right? He could have spoken. Lazarus is dead. He doesn't, he doesn't need to hear. You know, he didn't take the stone away so Lazarus could hear. He took the stone away for one reason, so they could smell the unmistakable odor of death. This man had died. Okay. All right. So four days, and um, I mean to keep delivering the point here, but uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles. So it's a suburb of Jerusalem. And notice this verse 19, many of the who? Jews. Oh, remember John's special term, the Jews. What does that mean? It doesn't just mean, you know, average everyday Israelites, right? This is a special term that John uses in his gospel to designate the one percenters, uh, particularly leaders. It's very possible. There's no biblical uh, background or substantiation for this at all, but it wouldn't kind of surprise me when we get to heaven and we get to know more details. It would be kind of interesting to, 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 to find out that maybe Nicodemus was there. Be very interesting to know that i don't know but nicodemus is mentioned three times in the gospel of john um, but the point is that people like nicodemus would have been there nicodemus was very wealthy nicodemus was connected he was he was <clears throat> very powerful he had a lot of influence he was highly respected okay and these are people this is very important in the setup these this is a large well-connected highly respected powerful audience that's there to see the raising of Lazarus. It's very important. Okay, kind of like Charles Dickens in his Christmas Carol where he says, you, you know, uh, I relay all of this to you so that, you know, this is important to understand what's going to come, right? 
you understand this? Uh, otherwise, the details I'm going to tell you won't make any sense. <clears throat> Well-connected audience, only two miles away, easy walking distance. You can do that in a day, no problem. Do that probably in a, yeah, an hour or two, like maybe. Easy, easy, right? Many of them maybe lived in the area. But here's the thing, too. got to remember, another thing about Jewish culture is, you know, we have funerals quickly and we're done within, you know, maybe two hours or something like that. These things like weddings, their weddings could last for seven days. Okay, they could last for that. Same with their with their funerals like this. They would last for many days. And so this would have had a, enough window of a time for the message to get out to the surrounding area. Again, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are well connected. They're wealthy people. And 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 so the message, you know, you can just text everybody. So the message would get out. Uh, it takes time for people to get out maybe close up business at the end of the day and then, okay, change of plans. Let's go. Right. So, so you have enough window of a time. Watch this. Now God's timing a, a maximum amount of time for a maximum amount of audience to come there. Right. People aren't just like, Oh, well, this is done and we're trailing off and there's only a handful of people. No, no, this is seven day. This is probably a seven day morning period. Right. And you're right in the middle of that. Plenty of time. Everybody would have come. You know, you always have those people that are late looking at mentioning names <laughs> in our families, you know, who, who are always the late ones to the event. But everybody is there, right? It's at the peak time. And everybody's there by accident, of course, right? All right. So many of the Jews. John emphasizes the size of this audience with that word many. He's not just saying some of the Jews, right? Many of the Jews. You're, you're reach, you've reached a full audience. I think this, this guy needs some batteries. That's for dad later. We have trouble hearing you. Um, Okay, so that's first night. So let's move on in, in our in our outline. Okay, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary stayed, remained seated in the house. Where is Martha when she hears this? She's in the house with with Mary. Okay, Lazarus has already been buried. He's in the tomb. So there, what it, you know something probably about Martha, right? What, what is, what is, what is she like? What is her personality like? In charge. She's in charge. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very organized. Very organized. Yeah. She takes care of the people. Very hospitable. Very hospitable, very organized, uh, very type A personality. Maybe what you say, right? I know. My way or the highway. She she probably wasn't really rude about it, but she was that was the way she's wired, right? And she's very good at organizing that. And we remember the story of, of Mary who wasn't, and by the way, when that happened, it wasn't that Mary Martha or it wasn't that Martha was, I'm convinced that Martha was not the only one running around serving, you know, 13 plus hungry men and her sister and others who were in the house. Because by the way, another Jewish custom especially if you were wealthy and had a large house like that and you had a distinguished guest that would come into the village 
and everybody knew it, word would spread, especially somebody like Jesus, right? I mean, his reputation is just unparalleled. And by this time near the end of his ministry, everybody's heard of Jesus. And um, and so uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't uncommon at all. We're going to see this in chapter 12, actually, where Jesus has a supper several days later with Simon the leper in his house. And people are there. Okay, so what you would do, it sounds weird to us, but you would have the distinguished guests come in and you'd prepare a meal for them. And you had other invited guests sitting around the table. But then you, your, your house could be open for other people to come in into the room and just stand there against the wall and listen and observe because they wanted to learn from this rabbi or whoever this distinguished visitor was that was coming and just listen to the conversation. Uh, that's, that's what was happening uh, in, in the gospel, other gospels, where Jesus is in the home of, of the Pharisee, remember, and this woman of the night, as we say, comes in and she starts weeping. She's not talking. She's not really, it's really rude for her to talk. She wasn't invited. But she was there and she starts listening to his words and it pricks her heart and the Holy Spirit does his work there and she starts to express her repentance and tears. Remember that? Well, that's what's happening there too is that it's, it's, she wasn't invited, okay? The, the Pharisee would not have invited her. She wasn't on the guest list, but she was allowed into the home, which reflects that culture, right? So, so um, Martha's there. Martha's very hospitable. She's she her name often appears first, so it gives me the idea that probably she was the one who had the house. Maybe her husband had died, or the father had left it to her as the oldest child, or who who knows why. But she was sort of the one in charge, more or less, of all this. So she is there, tending to her guests and being the hostess with the mostest, as we say. Right? She had a staff, by the way, too. Right? So I don't think she was serving. The Lord and, and so forth by herself. That was my point earlier. Um, so she hears. Now, how did she hear that Jesus was coming? She didn't get a text. Somebody had to come and tell her. Maybe it was the messenger who was sent before several days earlier to find Jesus and tell him your friend Lazarus is sick, right? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But somebody came in, and you can just see this house, right? And, and Martha and, and everybody's in there, and, and there's this somber mood. It's not a happy occasion. It's a somber occasion. And they, they mentioned to you earlier, we're going to see them mentioned in here too. There were women who were hired to mourn, right? And they would, oh, and they'd cry, and they had these dirges that they would sing, and they even had uh musicians like a flute player or something that would play this mournful tune right and there's all of this going on and martha is you know making sure people have enough food and you know keep the hardware circulating and the, whatever and martha hears this jesus is coming think about how significant it is for martha to leave that scene being wired the way she is to go meet jesus what does that say to you about how strongly she felt when she says to him? Oh, Jesus is coming. Okay, all right. Well, he'll be here another you know, 20 minutes or so. That's fine. I, I'm busy. Is that her attitude? No. She leaves and goes because she has something on her heart that she needs to say. Right? That's significant. Don't miss that. 
So when Martha heard Jesus that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. I mean, she had to get enough detail to know which direction he was coming from. Uh, it, maybe there probably weren't a ton of options, uh, roads to come into town, but she knew where to go. And it, it kind of, to me, implies haste that she left quickly and got up right then and there. Those are, those are two verbs, right? She left and met, all right? She, she went quickly and, and, and there's a lot of action to it to meet him because she has something heavy on her heart to say. Well, what is that? She went and met him, but Mary, you know, notice the other detail. What's Mary doing? She's, she's being Mary. Martha's being Martha and Mary's being Mary. Okay, she remains seated. Be careful. I want to read ahead before you say that. <laughs> it turns out Mary had the same message too, but she just didn't. Uh, it's interesting to me. I think both of them had between, and we talked about this last time, between the Jews who were there, most of them are not very friendly toward Jesus anyway, right? And plus the two of them talking together. You know, I think they had kind of worked themselves into this place of, of being upset and disappointed with Jesus, both of them. But Mary decides to stick around almost like a boy well. Almost like, almost like a boycott. Martha has got something she needs to say, right? Well, let Jesus have it. But it had four days to think about it. Mm -hmm. Now, I know if I have four things to think about, if I got four days to think about something that's really on my mind that I, that I want, that even if it's not really serious at the moment, if I have four days to ponder over it and mull over it, it can get extremely yes, that's right. To where I totally lose all rational thinking. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. no, that's very true. Yeah, it's not one of those things you can just sleep it off the next morning. It's like, oh, I feel better. No, 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 no. This was this was deep disappointment. America, Both of them I feel it. Feelings hurt. Yes, I mean, yes. Just been, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. He was your friend. I'm there if you want to, but I'm not. Why did you behave yeah, this way? I was thinking she was like, Martha's like, I'm not thinking Yeah, right. I'm going to fix this problem right now. Yeah. I'm what do you hear why I'm saying Jesus? Right. You got Give him an earful. Okay, here we go. Here's what Martha says, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, notice that. Term of respect, okay. She does show some restraint here. You got to give it to her, right? Okay. Um, and remember, John is condensing. I'm sure she didn't just say this much. I'm sure there was a lot more to it. Okay. He's condensing her message down. Lord, if you if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's what's on her heart. Why did you wait? This tragedy could have been avoided if you had just done what I asked in the first place, right? Can any of you relate to that? Yes. Jesus, I asked for this a thousand times. I, 
you remember years ago we saw this happening or you know we, we feared this and we prayed about it and we tried to work it through and we tried to do what we could and we were faithful on our end but you've dropped the ball i, I kind of feel like it's hard too because they're family so i mean you know you're part of a family and you have special talents or anything you're out there helping everybody else and you know maybe you feel neglected i mean <laughs> like you know what i mean like we're your friends we, we, don't you remember how we have hosted how many times we've hosted you and your disciples when you were in town right and we served you and lazarus was this was messenger said the one whom you love right lazarus was a good friend and you guys enjoyed so remember that night you stayed up all night talking together right all of these memories do you remember any of this does it mean it does it mean nothing to you I mean, Jesus, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. We got a room for you. Build a room. That's right. Yeah, yeah. we've got your room. Got your name on. Yeah. Carver made a statement here that I didn't realize till after I read it because I felt like she was like, <gasps> but he says, not a rebuke of Jesus, but a testimony of her trust in His healing power. And I, I give her the anguish, and I, I, I think that she was. Not, but she was, if he had been there, you know, I don't think she was giving him down the road. She wasn't rebuking him. Like I said, I thought when I first read, when you read scripture, that she's just like in his face saying he's, you know, but she trusted in his healing power. If he had been there when he was sick, Jesus could have healed But there again, the whole thing, the whole synopsis of the whole is for the Jewish leaders to see his power. It's the final sign to the nations. It is. It's the final so sign that, to the nation. Yeah, that came together. Once I read that, what across the road, I was like, that does make sense. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. Um, because I thought the same thing when I first read it. She's yeah. really mad. She's off the chain yeah. uh, emotionally. But, you know, like Erica said, you know, you sometimes that can happen. You can you can have four days for something to really just turn a mountain in, or a molehill into a mountain. But other times, too, Sometimes you just need that time emotionally to calm down and to really balance things out. And, 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 and the reason I, I agree with that is because the rest of the verse goes on, right? It doesn't just say, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died, um, which does, which by the way, this term of respect, and it does express faith in his ability to heal. Everybody knew that, that even his enemies knew that he had the ability to do that. In fact, you read that later on, the Jews said the same thing. If he had been here, right? They all said the same thing. Okay. If she's struggling with any any doubt here, it's not his ability to heal or his um, authority as Lord, but his timing. That's what she's really struggling with is the timing. And and your timing really can, can be interpreted as is an insult. Uh, to, to us, to our friendship with you, all the, you know, or, or maybe, maybe just, maybe not siding with evil, but at least being apathetic to evil because this situation is evil. How can you allow your good friend to die like this? This doesn't reconcile with the Jesus that I thought I knew, right? I have faith 
But what I'm seeing doesn't match the faith sometimes. Does that make sense? And, and I think that's borne up by the rest of her statement to him, okay? Verse 22, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Can you sense the tension here where she's not saying, Lord, don't take another step. I don't want you, you know, I'm no longer a friend of yours and give you the finger and I'm going to, no, she's not, she's not doing that. She's calling him more. She's showing respect. She's showing faith. But there's a struggle here, too, with, Lord, I, I just don't understand what you are doing. What is going on? I, I know that even now, as dark as this circumstance is and as hopeless as it looks to me in my, in my shoes, in my perspective right now, yet I know that you can pray God will hear you and give you what you asked. Okay. There's there's a there's a song out there, a popular song right now. Bob uh, Lovey Smith sings it. It's, I think he may have written it. It's called Waymaker. Right? God is God is a waymaker. He can make a way when there seems to be no way. Okay. And those are good words. And listen, I'm telling you, you learn that because you got there are going to be times when you're going to be like Martha. You're going to be like Lord. I, I know you're God. I know you're in charge. I know. The circumstances and the way that I feel and the things that have happened don't align with what I know to be true of you. And I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me. I think that's what she's, I think you're right. And he's, I think initially, maybe there was definitely some anger, some deep disappointment and emotional, and maybe Mary, Mary is still struggling with that. Martha's had a little time to reason that through. What's great here is, is she expresses so well in those two verses that that struggle that we have as believers in this world this it's sanctification in two verses because you you've got you've got this trust in jesus he's lord i know that and i know that this timing is right but man circumstances sometimes just don't seem to bear that out does that make sense all these things that you're putting in their mouth yeah, yeah she had four days to Try to rationalize it. It was a logical way of approaching Christ. But that four days to get this all together. But then when you approach Christ and you see the man, through the Holy Spirit, John writes down these two verses, right? That you're right. You have to be like, okay, I got this all figured out. I memorized what I'm going to say. I'm sure there was a massive amount of emotion trying. Two main parts were, but you've been here, you wouldn't be dead. And I know whatever you ask of the Father. Which might have been at the very end of her discussion. You know? But I'm sure there was a lot. I mean, you can you can you can say, okay, okay, this is the way I'm gonna approach it, this is the way I'm gonna say it, and this is the main point. But I'm sure just Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot. We haven't run yet into the emotion words in this chapter, but this is this word. This chapter has a lot, probably of all the chapters in John. I'm trying to think here. I can't. Maybe maybe the upper room discourse matches this to all the chapter. But, but right here, we're going to run into a lot of emotion words in this chapter. Okay. 
most of them, believe it or not, center around Jesus. And of course, we're familiar with uh, John eleven thirty five, right? That's every every child's favorite Bible verse because it's so good using uh, Jesus' memory. way. Yeah, that's our easy memory. I memorized the verse today. <laughs> Give me a quarter, right? Jesus wept, right? And a lot of you'd be you'd be amazed at, at, at the gamut of of uh, uh, commentators and what they think of why Jesus wept. And I, I don't think it's ambiguous at all. You read the whole text. In fact, um, Jesus is, has some strong emotion words right before that, right after. It's a strong, deep seated. We'll we'll get into a word study with that, and I'll show you that. Um, but but you're exactly right, Dave, and thank you for that because. Even though these verses, when we read them, they, they're black and white and they seem kind of dry and direct and to the point, Martha was had a lot more to say, probably through tears, almost certainly through tears, as soon as she saw him, especially because her hopes and everything had been wrapped up in him coming, right? And as soon as she sees him there, all of that comes back and it's just, mm, and it just comes out. She's just a person like we are, and we yeah. understand that, okay? And the Lord wasn't unsympathetic to her. And I think that this, this feeds into i think i think where it says jesus wept it's a it's a it's a it's a recipe it has many ingredients in it i don't think it's just one thing so i think the common men and commentators are wrong that they just they don't factor in all of the things that are that are coming together in one place and the main thing that he weeps over preview coming attractions main thing he weeps over is unbelief is unbelief okay that's really what bothers him Okay, um, but anyway, but nevertheless, he is sympathetic. It's not that he's got a stone cold heart, and and as she's weeping and pouring her heart out, and Lord, if it only been here, and that he's just like, no, yeah, exactly. You still here? <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. He he is, and the same is true with us. And we'll wrap up here at this point. Um, the same is true with us. When, when it seems like God has essentially, you know, left uh, the room, maybe, or maybe he's listening, but he's not responding to you. I'm trying to, to I'm struggling with how to word this because as believers, you know, unbelievers are like, you know, screw God, I'm out of here, I'll do what I want, right? But for believers, we're we're not that way, right? And we and we know that we believe, but there are those times where we struggle with this, and you pray and you pray and you've prayed for something to happen, especially something that's really close to your heart, a family member like this, somebody that's dear to you, and 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 you pray for them and you pray for them, and it seems like prayers go nowhere, Jesus is not unsympathetic to them. And we're going to see that in John 17, particularly where he prays for them, prays for his disciples. And in fact, all those, all those, those five chapters, the whole thing, 13 through 17, that the thing underlying all of that is his care for them, his love for them, and he knows that what's about to happen will really rattle them apart and would and would if God the Father and the Son didn't hold on to them during that time would take their faith and drop it into the shredder okay and there are times 
in your life and in mine as believers where we're going to be in those situations where it feels like you and your faith are being dropped into the shredder. He was so concerned about it that he told him that he was going to give him a comforter to be with him when he is gone. How much love is that? That's right. And you know what else? Is that all of that comfort that he gives them, right? Because we get beautiful passages like, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, right? Uh, all, all of those, all those wonderful words of comfort and encouragement. And yes, there's warning. If the world hates you, hated me, it's going to hate you too. There's, there's that warning and so forth as well. Um, and then the whole thing ends, in chapter 16. Uh, in the world, you have tribulation, but what? Now fear, I have overcome the world. All of that comfort is ours before he's going to go to the cross. There's no hint of him lamenting his own coming doom. He puts all of that aside and ministers to them and their stress and their distress and their disappointment in that moment. That's Jesus. And that's who we talk to. And that's who Martha is addressing here. He's not unconcerned. He's not untouched by her affirmities. He is very concerned. And, and, uh, and yet God has his purposes, right? And we're going to see that. We're going to see what God's glorious purposes are far beyond what Mary and Martha and the disciples could imagine. And it's the same is true for us. <clears throat> it's hard for us, Father, because we're, we so often, we so often want to reshape you into our image. And we judge you by human standards. And yet, we are wrong to do that because you are who you are of yourself. It is you that has made us, not the other way around. Forgive us for losing sight of that, for worshiping a Jesus that's less than what is presented in Scripture. And for coming to you, Father, uh, as more of a genie at times and as the God, the holy God, the, the ancient of days, the almighty, the most high that you really are. But we can really relate, and I thank you so much that this is in scripture, because we can relate to this. We can, we can hear our own words in what Martha says here. We can really relate to what she's saying, those times of disappointment, and we struggle with that sort of paradox. On the one hand, I know you are, are Lord, and I know your heart is good, and yet these circumstances sure don't, don't look like so help us uh, even this week, because I know to varying degrees, maybe maybe not something like permanently life changing, but we're going to face problems this week, and we're going to forget this lesson. So I thank you by the Holy Spirit that you hold on to us, and that you um, you're the one who is taking the lead in this thing called salvation, because if it wasn't, we would all. Pray for your blessing on the service and, and Bible study today, the rest of today's activities for your glory, Jesus' name.